This is MPN. Welcome to MPN. It's Avengers Week, and to celebrate the momentous occasion and the release of Avengers Infinity War, we've got some hot superhero content coming at you, starting here with Build-A-Film Superhero Movie. So my co-host for this episode is someone with extensive comic book expertise and someone who loves superhero movies. Please welcome Dan Mason. Dan, how are you? Ryan, it's good to be here. Longtime listener, first time guest. Yeah, you really are. That's exactly what we can describe <laughs> you as uh, to a T. Uh, I hope I'm not putting anything out there that you can't back up. Extensive comic expertise. I mean, that's you know a lot what? of I'm pressure. Not, for I'm not going to prove it. I even gave myself a bit of a challenge with our superhero movie today. Oh, really? And I didn't t- pick an easy route. Uh, I'm not going to say who I picked quite yet. Okay. But uh, I didn't pick an easy route. I gave myself a challenge, and I'm going to see if I can follow <laughs> if through you can, if you can, before yeah. the end of the episode. Well, I, I look forward to hearing it, and I'm sure the listeners will look forward to hearing it. So the way that we kind of wanted to do this is instead of drawing upon the multitudes of other comic book characters who have had films in the past you know, 18 to 20 years, as Dan mentioned, with his, we thought it might be fun to kind of look at comic book characters who haven't gotten movies before and so that's kind of the baseline of where we're coming from i picked a hero who doesn't have a movie dan picked a hero that apparently only has like four comics written about them so <laughs> i'm uh i'm doing ben parker uh, oh really it's, uh spider-man's uncle's origin story and he's just a mild-mannered guy. Where did he uh, grow up? Where, where, tell me, Dan. Where did he grow up? Just in a small town of rural Ohio. Oh. And then he moved to New York. He had a paper out at some point. We're going to mm. really dive into that. Okay, great. Well, yeah, let's save it. Let's yeah, save it. Let's I don't want to give it. too we much away. We don't want to spoil it too much. Anybody else got chills? Yeah. Ooh, I, I'm excited. Um, so basically, the way this is going to work, the same way that it's been working the past few episodes, we're going to... Uh, we're going to give a the person, we're going to give a director, a writer. Uh, this time we want to do, uh, along with a plot, we also threw in what every single comic book movie, superhero movie has, which is a post-credit sequence to sort of tease you for something that's going to be coming down the line. So we both have something like that as well. Um, I also have music. Did you do music, by the way? Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Then, yeah, we'll do music as well. So, um so yeah, I think uh, anything else to add to the intro before we get into the topic of the uh, podcast? Oh, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited it's to have you. Seeing you in person is just, it, it, you can't describe. Oh, that's the nicest thing any guest has your, ever said. Hearing your voice <laughs> is one thing, but my God. Seeing it in person is totally different. Um, well, I guess I'll get started then. I will mm-hmm. start with mine. Um, and I, Dan, let me tell you this. You know a little bit about me. You've listened to me. You've I'm known me for a few long years. Longtime fan. Long fan. I'm a healer. I'm a fixer. I'm a lover. I'm a, fu- you know, I don't, I, whatever you did before, that's in the past. Let's get something into the future. Let's get some good going into the future. And so by that, I picked a DC superhero, a superhero that, We'll put DC in a different light. You know, DC has kind of gotten a little it bit. Use one. Yeah, I mean, it 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 struggled a little bit. It's had some 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 highs and lows. We'll say that. But I think this superhero is somebody who is outside of the realm of the deep dark world that has been created in the DCEU. Mm-hmm. And so my hero's name is Booster Gold. Oh my god! <laughs> oh. Oh, I'm not going to scream into your mic, but right. oh my God, I love Booster Gold. Okay. Oh my God. Okay. Wow. Well, this is the, the, a lot of the pressure's now shifted onto me, I think. Yeah. Too. <laughs> oh my God. Now I'm excited. Obviously, wanna... obviously we haven't done, we, we, we didn't tell each other what the other did. So Booster Gold, as you know, is a very colorful superhero. He's sarcastic. He is, um, he was created in 1986 by Dan Jurgens. His alias is Michael John Carter. And he was kind of created as a part of a new series after the crisis on infinite earth, which was basically took the different multiverses that DC had spread out over the years and kind of combined it into one. So they moved like the 1930s Superman and Lois Lane and Lex Luthor's son, they sort of moved them to like a paradise dimension, which is essentially the same as heaven. It's a nice way of retiring. Yeah, it was a nice way to just go, you know what, that's the old, here we're going we're gonna to have the new. So Booster was a part of this sort of new universe and, and almost as a rise Superman, kind of the, and also as a reflection of the time period, the 1980s, because Booster is sort of, 
just a superhero to be famous. Like that is his main reason. Yeah, like his his the main thing that gets him out of bed is this is going to work for me in yeah. the end. And I'm going to make money from this. I'm going to be and, and, and it's so that commercialism of the 80s like really is, is, is baked into that as well. And I mean, he's got a wit and as mentioned, he's not as crass as Deadpool, but they share some personality personality similarities. They have an ego in the specific way they, they interact with others. Um, so the, the I found that the time travel aspect of his persona that we'll get into makes it difficult for him to have like a specific villain or specific foil. Uh, but I think that there's a specific I, th- I think there's a good story to, to still be had there. Um so yeah, who did you uh, who did you do? And then okay, we'll, and then we'll move on to uh, to, to the meet the meat of it. Well, I'm glad you said that you're going the DC route okay. because I'm going to go the Marvel route. Now, I'm going to go with Spider Man. Now, <laughs> wait, no, you already had Ben Parker on the hook. You can't. Okay, you can't so I'm going to do a yeah. Ben Parker origin okay, story because yeah. there hasn't been anything about him lately. Nothing. Uh, I'm going to do Moon Knight. See, see, now I will say. I'm not as big of a fan of comics as you and other people that we know. So I'm going to have to just fake the, oh my God, oh, I'm not going to scream into my mic, but Moon Knight, I can't believe it. He is Marvel's Bruce Wayne, basically. He's sort of like the the Dark Knight of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, he was originally created in the 80s as a villain to like the werewolf or something, the wolfman. Oh. And then like they sort of shifted his character to a hero because he was super popular at the time. And they originally, like, here's the thing. We're going to go into this in a second, yeah. but he had 500 origin stories. They revamped his issues because they got canceled all the time because, like, they would do things and shift, like, his schedule of when they would be sold in stores. Mm-hmm. And they would get canceled. They would reinvent the character. It would fall on his face again. They would reinvent the character. So every time I started going down a path of what I wanted to do with him here, I was like, well, no, that's not going to work because he obviously doesn't have the blah, blah, blah. And then, like, yeah. I found, like, 40 different things. I think we found something we're going to stick with. All right, all right. I like it. But Moon Knight uh, is... Moon Knight. Uh, he, on his deathbed, he, I, which I'll explain in my story a bit, but on his deathbed, he was reached by Khonshu, the, the Egyptian god, that said, basically, you can be an avatar for me if... And I will grant you life again. But you basically have to be the Do his bidding. Yeah, you have to do my bidding. Okay. And then with that, he had some series he had a sort of heightened power. Other series he was just a normal dude, like Batman, and had gadgets and helicopters and stuff. But uh, I think we're going to come up with something pretty good for him today. All right, awesome. Uh, Who is going to be uh, directing your uh, Moon Knight film? Here's the thing. Um... With the the path I ended up going with, I'm seeing a Charlie Kaufman. You're gonna direct it? Uh, so Charlie Kaufman. Or, oh yeah, okay. Well, because he yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, yeah, he is a director. I know he's mainly a writer, but yeah, he has directed. Because originally as well. I was thinking about him writing, but with the the story I'm going with, I liked his visuals, I guess more. So I'm, I love it. I, I love Charlie He did e- Eternal Sunshine, right? He didn't direct it. He wrote it. He wrote Eternal he, Sunshine. He, he directed uh, Synecdoche, New York. I think that's his only... But that that is a very visual, very... Yeah. Like, it has that similar type of aesthetic that Michel Gondry had in Eternal like Sunshine. He's got, so. his, he's got a look, an aesthetic yeah. to him. Yeah. Otherwise, I was thinking of like Alfonso Cuaron. Or, oh, yeah. Like I thought that would be really interesting. So those are the two that are up there for me right those now. Those are very different, though, I feel but like. Yeah. But, that's the th- but here's the thing. I bounce back and forth between 45 different stories in my head, having an anxiety attack over this. (laughs) So, like, in one, Charlie Kaufman was like, okay. And Mm. then Alfonso was like, okay, this could work, too. So I'm going to let you, the listener, determine determine what you think. Vote now. (laughs) Uh, Well, my director uh, is Edgar Wright. Uh, As it should be. Edgar didn't get a chance to direct Ant-Man, which... Super disappointing. It is, but I, I also, again, positive, positive thoughts. That's right. The reason it's kind of a blessing in disguise because maybe then we wouldn't have Baby Driver in the world had he done Ant Man. We were going to still and, have and a it, Baby Driver. Uh, he wanted well, Baby Driver. Well, I think the, yeah, maybe. But it is disappointing that that they couldn't, that Marvel and him couldn't come to an agreement. I think it's funny if, if I think about it now because of what they've done Marvel in the past. I mean, three or four films. We talked about it a little bit during the marathon. Was like, 
kind of allowing their filmmakers to be filmmakers and make Marvel movies within the universe, but also give them a little bit of flash and maybe say, hey, you're bringing on Taika Waititi to make Thor Ragnarok. He's going to make Taika Waititi's Thor Ragnarok. That would have never happened five years ago. No, and so had the situation if they were like well now we're making an ant-man movie and edgar wright wants to direct it edgar wright would have been his now probably be directing it so um so i think that there's a there there is a time travel aspect and there's you know they my characters they're going to be jet setting and things like that so i think with his sort of frenetic quippy humor yeah would be perfect for his his that's what i thought too yeah so it gives him a chance to like stretch his action movie wings and really flex to say hey I am a complete filmmaker. I can do Baby Driver and Scott Pilgrim and Booster Gold. And that soundtrack, so. though? Mm, that is going to be an 80s though? movie for sure. Yeah. So uh, I'll go with my writer, and then I'll go. you go with yours. Okay. So the writer of my movie, and this one I, I kind of struggled with a little bit, but I, I kind of went uh, chalk, as the, uh, as the kids say. Uh, just kind of the one that you would expect to do it, and that's Jeff Johns. Um, mm-hmm. He's a writer on the Flash TV show. He's served as a producer on various DCEU movies, so he's already... It's like the president. Yeah, yeah, he's already, like, in the... He's already in there, but he does have writing experience and a yeah. writing background, and he wrote Infinite Crisis, which is a seminal DC work, and... One of the best Green Lantern stories in... Oh, in that one? Uh, or just in general? In general. Oh, okay. He just, he's an amazing writer. Because he did work Booster into that yeah. storyline, and has also written Booster individual issues as well, so, like, he's familiar with the character... He knows how to write, you know, like he's in the family. So I think that Edgar Wright and Jeff Johns working together. Booster gold, more like Oscar gold, be, question yes. mark. Oh. <laughs> so who's your writer? Uh, you know what's funny? On my list here, I have a bunch of really obscure names. Oh, tell me. Uh, so one of them was... The Wachowskis that did the huh. Matrix. Yeah. Um, the Wachowski that, uh, sisters. Yeah. Yeah. That's who... See, I'm picking... I'm empowering female that's writers. That's true. You are, so yes. Which, which, the, I'm doing my uh, part. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then another one that came down my list at one... And one of these drafts was... Uh, Hayao Miyazaki from the yeah. one that did Totoro Howl's and like Moving Castle, Castle. Mononoke. Yeah, that's okay. when I was like on a fever pitch of like Ryan's gonna kill me because I can't come up with anything. Wow. And then I settled on uh, same way as you did. I did a comic book writer named Jeff Lemire, oh, okay. who uh, does one of my favorite reiterations of Moon Knight. And uh, what he does is what I'm gonna base a a good chunk of my story on, or at least as far as the mythos goes. Okay. So Jeff Lemire is my guy. Jeff Lemire. So we each went with comic writer. That's probably yeah. probably for the best, at least for the... Let them. Why? Like, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, I'm not going to go into a tirade. Please. But like... Tirade away. Uh, I can just cut it out. They, um... Like, DC has amazing animated movies, and they do give the, the, the helm to some comic writers to do those. Yeah. And then it doesn't translate well in the live action. And I always thought, like, why don't comic book writers take to film, film. more? Yeah. And I just, this would be an excellent, you know, exercise in that. It's interesting, yeah, because the, the comic book writing is kind of halfway in between a screenwriter and a novelist. Because mm-hmm. you are still working with a visual medium and you're having to write dialogue the way you would have to write dialogue in a film but it's not just strictly you need to describe everything that's going on so it is interesting yeah that that maybe they don't give them a chance to do that but not you and i no not you and i we're We're doing it baby we're so ahead of the curve here so we've got more we got marvel and dc represented which is great um so I think I'll go into uh, I think I'll go into my plot and sort of work my characters and my actors and everything into that into okay. my booster plot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it starts off with the story, basically the I'm origin. I'm actually like excited. So yeah, yeah, like so, I'm yeah. Back, I'm ready. <laughs> so it's the origin of a uh, booster gold. We have to get the origin, which is essentially it occurs in the future. So it's the 25th century. We're going to open on a young football player, Michael John Carter. He's a star at Gotham University, and his mother gets ill she gets sick and the surgery is too expensive so in order to pay for it he gets hooked up with some members of the local mob and they tell him hey fix your college games and we'll pay you for it so originally he was only on the hook for two but 
they said, well, we're going to go to the cops if you don't do more. So he fixed more and more games because he was a star athlete and everything. Mm -hmm. So eventually he saves up enough money. She's able to get the surgery, but he's arrested because he was found out. And so he's sort of kicked out of his family because it turns out his father was also into gambling as well. So he's been ostracized by his family. He made the same mistakes that his father did. And so he goes to jail after jail. The only job he can get, he moves to Metropolis, is at the uh, Metropolis Superhero Museum. Mm. So while he's there, he's surrounded by these murals and just all these giant things of these superheroes from the 20th century. So Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, like they're all very well represented. Spider-Man's probably not there. There is in one of the in one of the oh, images really? you can see you can't see much, but in the, one of the first issues, you can actually see like a leg. I'll show it to you. And it looks kind of like a webbed leg. There's like a it's statue just a of leg. Ben Parker. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's for favorite. The most movies made about him. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It is the 25th century. So 400 <laughs> years to make the Ben He's, Parker Chronicles. He has the Dan Mason movie yeah. written about him <laughs> yeah. at this point. So because of that, basically he just kind of decides he's got nothing to lose. Like he, he, he got a taste of this fame being this college football player. And essentially now the Metropolis Superhero Museum not only does it have just models of different superheroes from the past, they're apparently working models because his whole shtick is he steals a suit from one hero. He steals a ring that allows him to fly from another hero. He steals a belt that gives him protection from one other hero yeah. and steals a security robot named Skeets. Um, Skeets is going to be voiced by Peter Dinklage. As he should be. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so, but like not... British Peter, not like Game of Thrones Peter Dinklage, like regular Peter Dinklage. Um, so I forgot to mention, of course, because I always do, that uh, the main character, <laughs> Booster Gold, is played by Army Hammer. <gasps> so Army Hammer has a kind of that's perfect blonde hair, boyish charm, great smile, just that kind of look about him, mm -hmm. and so he can pass for a football player for sure. He can uh, pull off the superhero look when he's in the outfit. You know, mm -hmm. he'll have the, the, the bulky body. It's and about time we gave him, like, an IP, you know? He, yes. He needs to be in more stuff. I talked about it in the Oscar bait movie. He was in Casey's Oscar bait movie, and we're like, ah, oh, he needs to be in more stuff. Well, he's they so tried good. with the Lone Ranger, but that's... This they... could be a good bounce back for yeah. him because that movie was garbage. But, like... But yeah, so that so so Booster is played by Army Hammer. He steals the security robot, and then the big part of it is he's able to hijack a time machine, which again, working completely working at the superhero it's, museum. It's <laughs> why a, not, right? It's a pay for admission type place. Yeah, so he's able to take that back. So basically, his knowledge of the future. This is sort of his like aha moment as he goes, oh, I can I can go back. He's gonna biff it. Yeah, he's literally going to biff it. <laughs> but this mean in a good way. And yeah, not, yeah, yeah. So he goes back in time, and I feel like there'll be a, a series of scenes, because there was in the, in the comic where he's like a fish out of water, like, oh, you can't, like, oh, one ice cream, please. And he tries to pay for the ice cream with his 25th century currency. Yep. And they're like, hey, why I ought to get oh, out of hey, here with this? You and, take your moon money yeah, elsewhere. Like hailing a cab and, like, wondering why it's staying on the ground or something. Like, when, when are we going to take flight? Stuff like that. <laughs> so it's, it's in the 80s when he performs his first, like, real act of heroism. And he saves President Ronald Reagan. Because remember, this is the 1986. Uh-huh. As he so because of that, that is his kickstart to fame. That's his kick. That, that that's his booster, as you will, to being a world famous. And there's actually a funny scene in, in the comic, and I want to incorporate it where he wants to be called Gold Star. Like that's mm -hmm. supposed to be his superhero name. Yep. But his nickname in college is Booster. And he gets nervous when Reagan is introducing him as the guy who saved him. Mm -hmm. So he mixes the two and says, oh, my name is uh, Booster Gold. And so he can't change it because the president already announced that his name Once was Booster Gold. Once it's in the papers. Yeah, you can't correct the president, you know. So he uses his wealth and fame to start Gold Star Industries. So he finally gets the Gold Star there name in there. Basically, it's just a kind of a way to consolidate all of his money from endorsements because that's kind of all he wants to do. And it's in very much a stark contrast to the superheroes of the time, as I mentioned. Like, 
blah 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 truth justice in the american way and all that good stuff because he's also yeah like besides his own selfish needs like he's not really a fighter he doesn't have no he doesn't have that moral compass to get him out of bed in the morning this was his end game yeah and and even there is a couple of different threads in different books where he has actually died and the caskets all have endorsements like stickers on them like like congratulations pizza hut or so like you know (laughs) so sorry for your loss and stuff like that um and so in the movie he ends up working a photo shoot with the justice league and they kind of get into talks that they're going to start a new international segment so because he was a member of justice league international in the comics Mm -hmm. and so basically they're trying to like bring their heroes around the world and like bring it you know make it a worldwide Enterprise, I guess. And while he's doing this, he's eventually introduced to Ted Cord, who goes by the name Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. And they hit it off. And Blue Beetle is going to be played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes. Um, so again, like it, it's kind of tough to get the visual of it from the comics, but he's a youngish kind of guy. Again, he seems good looking. They both and they both really get along, and I think they both have a great presence because a lot of it in the books is that they are great friends and there's even like a little aside that some people think that they're gay because they're so incredibly yeah exactly they got that they got that bromance there so they're the two hit it off they're seen fighting around the world boosters there's so many good storylines involving blue beetle and booster gold too that you could cherry pick so many for one story with yeah yeah so and that's and that that made it actually it was exciting because there's so many different directions but it was also also had a moment a moment of panic when I was talking about it because of the same thing where it's like there are so many storylines you could go with it and I have to sort of cherry pick and try to find some things with it. They kind of break away and start fighting crime on their own. So they're not part of the Justice League International. They're not part of the Justice League. They're just Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. They're just hanging mm-hmm. out doing their thing. At one point, Blue Beetle stumbles across a plot to have the humans on earth monitored or sorry, sorry to have, to have the humans on earth monitor super uh, superheroes and meta humans mm-hmm. and kind of surveil them and to sort of keep them in check. And Amanda he, Waller's probably going to want to talk yeah, to him. Exactly. So this was actually led by the former justice league financier, Maxwell Lord. Mm-hmm. And so beetle doesn't like this idea. Blue beetle doesn't like the idea and tells Max to rot in hell. And Max murders him in cold blood in the movie. My God. Yeah. So Booster, he didn't make it there in time. So obviously he's bummed and tries to petition the members of the Justice League to kind of bring him back into the fold because he needs a team now. And they do it much to their chagrin. So we have, we will have members of the Justice League that we've been established already. Wonder Woman and, um, I mean, we'll have to have, maybe have a new Green Lantern, but like Batman and Superman will all be there too. And so he is introduced during that time as well to uh, Rip Hunter, who's a famous time traveler Mm -hmm. who factors into the different booster gold stories. And Rip Hunter is going to be played by Liam Neeson. Rip Hunter is going to be played by Rip Taylor. Yeah. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Uh, So he's basically, he's an older sage advice, smooth talking kind of guy. And so he's going to kind of take booster gold under his wing in this, in the movie. And basically sort of tells him with great time travel power comes great responsibility. See? It See? all comes back. You got to have that ben It all comes moment. back. So, so Booster tells him that he'll only help him if we can go back and try to save the Beatle. Okay. The Beatles. The Beatles, from, yes. From, 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 landing, Lennon, in, from, from landing in in the United States. If they never, Yoko. If they never set foot in the United States, they're never gets The White killed. Album Part <laughs> <Yes>. 2. <laughs> um. So basically, Hunter tells him this isn't prudent, as some things are set in stone, as I mentioned. But Booster goes and does it on his own. So he doesn't... Which he, is very Booster gold. He, yes. He doesn't do it. Yeah. He, he, he goes and, and, and pulls him out. And as they are traveling back to the main timeline, we find out that the supervillains in the DC universe have kind of formed their own, I guess, anti-Justice League. The Legion of Doom. The Legion of Doom. And they're fighting... And they are basically kicking the crap out of the heroes. So we've, we've by pulling Beetle out of the timeline where he gets killed, it sets off a chain reaction where all of a sudden the Legion of Doom is basically just destroying the world. Yeah. So what happens is Beetle kind of realizes that 
hey, the only way that we're going to stop this is if you send me back. Mm-hmm. So Booster is, of course, resistant to the idea. Um, but we kind of see his struggle and he realizes sort of that being a superhero is a little bit more than just about fame and fortune. And it's sort of about, it's about the friends we make along the way. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So essentially it's, you know, it's more than just wearing the outfit really. So Mm -hmm. there, there's a really emotional scene where they have to, they're basically traveling back in time and booster has to put, Beetle back in the situation where he gets murdered, essentially. But everything gets flashes back and gets put back to normal. So at the end, we'll see Booster visiting the grave of Beetle, and he's joined by Rip. Rip gives him a pep talk, says he can use his powers to stop other Booster Gold types from visiting the graves of other Blue Beetles. So you know this. This is what we can do. This is your responsibility. This is your thing here so I'm, I'm really focusing in on the time travel aspect of it which is always the most fun part of movies like right involve it because yeah. then i feel like in the future films you can take it really anywhere you can have him yeah. show up in different places or he can do that so the the very last that's how you franchise baby yeah that's right that's what i'm all about so the very the very last shot is that booster agrees and they end up flashing to a different timeline and appearing in a battle with green lantern and batman and others and he flashes the trademark smile, and all the heroes run towards the screen with the and... with the uh, the bat signal behind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this <laughs> slow is motion. slow motion running. Yeah, so that's the movie. Um, that's I the, loved it. That's the Booster Gold movie, and so I, I, I know that there, that, he, I think in a comic book it works if your hero. You know, because you, you have so many different things you have to fill, so many different panels and books and things you have to sell books, so you have to keep doing these things. I think in a movie aspect, there has to be some change in your character a little bit. Which it is, helps. Which is why I had him do the sacrifice where he finally says, okay, I, this is what it means to be a superhero. It's, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few sort of thing. Especially which is a giant arc for a character like Booster Gold. Yeah. Because which will not come to that, that uh, conclusion easily on his own. Yeah. So he needs the death of his friend to kind of realize that this is something. that It is more than just being... A person in a suit and making a bunch of money so yeah. there are there were different again i had different stops and starts and things like that because like there was um there was like a uh, there, there was a part where booster at one point visits himself uh future self comes back and says uh oh by the way don't make superman make sure superman and wonder woman don't fall in love because then we'll cease to exist mm-hmm. never explained not explained why that's the reason but then the last panels are him looking at this giant screen and seeing Wonder Woman and Superman kiss. And then he just kind of fades into into oblivion. And you go, whoa, it's a Back to the Future moment. Why? Yeah. So we no, never explained. Um, so, so yeah. So that's my, uh, that's my Booster Gold movie. Did so you, you have a uh, an after credits sequence? I do. I do. I thought we'd do those at okay, the... Okay, that's I, fine. You know what? No, let's do it now because now we're in the story. So my uh, my post credit sequence is we open on the on a funeral for Blue Beetle, and Booster walks up and leaves an artifact that they'd found in their many travels and you know from different places when they were fighting crime on their own. Uh, Beetle kind of liked the look of this artifact, and so he felt like it was important for him to him to be laid to rest with it. So the artifact is a Black Power ring. And the sequence ends with... Excuse me, what was that? A black power ring. We woke. We woke something up. We woke. And, and the sequence ends with Beetle waking up to reveal that he's the Black Lantern, which is another Booster Gold story later on where they actually fight. So that, that could be a setup for another one where we can have Joseph Gordon-Levitt come back. We sign him to a three-picture deal. He's got to be in these He's movies no matter back. what. And so that's the post credit sequence is like the eyes opening... And but the media the, already yeah. knows he signed on for three movies, yeah, so they so know he's not really He's in not danger. really dead, but then we can but change it. Maybe he's going to be in a flashback. I don't know, yeah, but he's dead. But in this way, we can bring him back and have him be a totally different character and then make him a foil for Booster Gold. So Now, here's my after credit sequence for your movie. Okay, please. We cut back to 
the funeral, and then we do that little rewind thing, and it's back to when Blue Beetle's about to be killed, and he pulls off, and he actually had a bulletproof vest underwear, like like Back to the Future, and he pulls out the note and says, I couldn't resist, (laughs) and then... My favorite part on a side from Back to the Future, that's so funny, because there's the part with the letter, right, where he rips up the letter, Yep. and throughout the whole time... Doc Brown is like this very scientific person. He doesn't really act on emotion. It's he's just emotionally just stunted basically. Mm-hmm. And then he rips up the letter in the past and then Marty comes back and he turns out he does have the bulletproof vest and he pulls out the letter. It's taped up and it's like and Marty goes, "Hey, you remember that thing that you said about like the future and like stuff colliding and the world explaining?" And all Doc goes is, but then I figured, what the hell? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. When Why it's would you, it's fine. Yeah, it betrays his character, though, because he just is like, and I figured, what the hell? Like, but what? it was a yeah. funny joke, <laughs> yeah, and everyone had joke. a good time. It's like they almost got to the end of it, and they're like, uh, how are we going to, he ripped up the letter. He what are we going to do? What do we anyway. do? Anyway, this isn't Back to the Future, make Back to the Future better, because you can't. You can't so my, my movie is Back to the Future, okay. and <laughs> four. <laughs> Starring and ben it's going to retcon the entire <laughs> series, and it's going to be a space opera. Ooh. So, as we were saying, I'm I chose Moon Knight, Moon and Knight. the rabbit hole I went down was that I personally know different iterations of Moon Knight through years of uh, just being a fan of his. The main thing comes down to whether they played up a lot or a little is he has uh, mental disorders where he's schizophrenic. Uh, that's either on the back burner or it's in the forefront of, like, he's got these multiple personalities. He, uh, even in uh, early iterations of the character, he would be uh, Mark Spector, which is his real name, and then he would take on the the persona of Jack... Uh, Locky or Lockley or something, which was a taxi driver, so he could be on the street and hear like mums the word about all these like crimes and things going on. So he had like multiple level. the multiple personnel, like the United States of Terra, but the comic exactly. version. Exactly. Okay. And yeah. like so, like he had these things, and he didn't know when he was slipping into them. It wasn't like Batman being the Bruce Wayne Batman personas. Like he didn't know when he was going into them, hmm. and I thought that was the most interesting thing because like when you're dealing with a superhero story. You're going to want to deal with origin story. Uh, the thing that makes it fascinating is their superpowers, their allies, their nemesis, and their weakness. And his weakness also plays as his strength, in a way. Um, he, like, if you talk about a, a character who speaks to the Egyptian gods and gains power from this, and how does that fit in the Marvel world? Like, it's it, pretty crazy, yeah. It, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't tie in, but think of the visuals. Like, there's, there's nothing quite, like... Egyptian, uh, ancient Egyptian uh, pharaohs aesthetic, and tombs, yeah, the aesthetic yeah, yeah. of it and that feel and the music that comes associated with it uh, and a sort of like Doctor Strange-esque color se- sequence mm-hmm. of like kind these of... Aurora Borealis type things mixed with uh, like a, a Chicago backdrop. Those two worlds combining was like a beautiful visual for me. What I did was we're going to open with this sort of archaeological mercenary sort of opening where Mark Spector is with this other mercenary named Bushman and they're going to this excavation sort of mission where uh, they have to retrieve this artifact and uh, along the way we see other people that are in past comic books like a guy named Frenchie who is his pilot, and uh, there's a, a woman named Gina who owns a diner where the taxi cab persona would get his info from, like, you check in. I'm going to take these characters from other stories and put them in this action sequence. Like, this is going to be the first 10 minutes, pure action of just, like, these two mercs going down. The helicopter brings them in. Frenchie takes them in on the helicopter. They drop down. Gina's their assailant. They give the they give the two the info. They go running into the thing. It's very Indiana Jones, action-packed. And then all of a sudden, Bushman turns on Mark Spector, grabs the artifact, and leaves him for dead like Indiana Jones. Uh, except Mark's in the middle of nowhere now and left for dead by Bushman. Now, he is wandering through the deserts and on his like last leg he collapses 
but he's stumbled upon by uh, Egyptian civilians, and they drag him to the statue of Khonshu. Now, uh, Khonshu, like right on in the twilight of his life, uh, he hears this talking, and it's Khonshu. Now, what I'm visualing, what I'm visualizing for Khonshu and any other um, entities that I'm going to talk about in this are going to be. Do you know Julie Taymor puppets? Like she did, like a Lion King. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, we, yeah. With the when they have the the, the little handles and stuff like that, and they're, yeah, and they're, the, the the people and the puppets are kind of wa- are, are melded together, kind of as one. She show. has yeah. like um, she like in her she has films where she, you don't see the people at all, but it's insanely elaborate, detailed, visually stunning puppetry, mm-hmm. and I thought that was haunting and fascinating. So I was thinking of like a Julie Taymor type puppet thing for all the entities, but he's greeted by Khonshu and he, and Khonshu basically says, you can work for me as my avatar and do my bidding and I'll grant you life again. So Mark Spector takes the deal and all of a sudden he wakes up and he's in an all white room. Mm-hmm. He's in a mental institution. Ooh. So the whole, what I want to play with here is it, are his adventures from being a mercenary real or are they all in his head hmm. so what we're going to see is him talking with his psychiatrist from there and she's basically flat out going to say you have been you've been here since you were a young boy you've been here forever you've been talking about this moon knight character since you were a little kid it's never happened it's never going to happen and then we see, like, the orderlies being, like, Frenchie and Gina. Like, they're orderlies. Oh, okay. And then uh, Bushman is his psychiatrist. Mm. And Do you have characters for these people? Um, I only picked... People? I only picked... So, for Mark Spector, I picked John Krasinski. And here's okay, the thing. Yeah. I just saw A Quiet Place last night. <laughs> um, it was probably at the forefront of my mind. But before that, John Krasinski, I've always wanted to be in a superhero since um he was a, he was up for the role of uh star lord yeah. at one point yeah or him captain and, america or him something. and emily blunt were both up for different roles in the mcu yeah get him and when i heard that i was like john krasinski would be great yeah i could i could really see that and then um when i saw like some of his more serious work like when he's soldier and uh when in the quiet place or you know yeah that sort of intensity uh i was like oh that solidified it for me we start going through this day-to-day with him, and he is... Now we're seeing, like, the people that we met in this opening action sequence are, like, these people he's meeting on his day in and day out. And then they'll give him injections when he starts to flare up and start seeing, like, sand on the ground. Or if he starts seeing, like, hieroglyphics on the wall, he'll, like, they'll give oh, him his medicine and it'll it. go away. Yeah. And when he retreats to his room at night... Conchu visits him hmm. and he says they're they're drugging you this is all to keep you trapped in here you are the moon knight you're supposed to be free like what's happening to the city right now is that bushman is under the rule of seth which is seth is Conchu's uh evil nemesis like the spiritual version so what specter is to bushman uh Conchu is to uh seth okay so He's saying this is all part of Seth's plan. Bushman's in on it. Bushman is your psychiatrist. Like, you have to break through this. And then he wakes up again in his bed. And the whole time, like, we're going to get, like, bits and pieces of, like, this dude's crazy. He's been here forever. And how come every time he takes his medicine, he's starting to get things back to normal? Mm. Then all of a sudden, one night, just to progress the story... He gets far in his his hallucinations, and when the the orderlies come in to sedate him again, he dons a pillowcase over his head, a white pillowcase, and draws the moon on it, and he breaks out of the institution as Moon Knight, and he like gets he does he like tries to escape like but he he's he thinks he has to take the orderlies with them because like they're his friends like they're trapped too Kanshu said the, those people they were in it with him Gina, and all that. like yeah, they're all yeah. stuck in the hallucination so he's taking them and they're like guys like what are you doing like we can't go with you and they get to the roof of the insane asylum and they say they see that chicago is covered in sand dunes and there's pyramids behind 
the buildings and like these two visual images are mixing with each other now mm. and like Kanshu shows up and says this is all real this is happening and then he gets injected in the neck and he wakes up in his bed again so now the orderly saw this the orderly saw that it was real and they saw the mm. sand in the pyramids so now you're trying to think like are they part of his hallucination the reason we have that flashback in the beginning is we're going to weave some of his past adventures from other stories into his narrative. I really want to walk the line of like, I don't what's don't, real and yeah, yeah, because you, you, yeah, if the audience, if he's not sure and the audience isn't sure, then it's like a cool sort of like you it's are Shutter in his Island. headspace. Yeah, 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 it's it's very Shutter Island of like we don't know what's supposed to be going on with him. So at the end, it comes down to he escapes for real. He's escapes with the the orderlies and his friends, and he basically exits the actual doors of the mental institution, and he is greeted at a temple. He's greeted by Moon Knight, the superhero Moon Knight, which they said in when he talks to a psychiatrist, he says she says or he says, yeah, uh, Moon Knight is a superhero, but you're not him. So like when he sees Moon Knight, he's like, oh, like. He's real. He, Moon Knight is a real thing. Yeah. But we but they get into a fight and he's wearing his like makeshift Moon Knight mask. Moon Knight yeah. mask. So we have two Moon Knights we fighting have two one Moon another. Moon Knights fighting, okay. which I think is really cool cuz like neat. one's like this the pre-Spider-Man before he gets his Tony Stark suit yeah. sort of get up. Okay. And like it's just he's a madman. Like this this is a man escaping, but like he's still hallucinating and and the Moon Knight character says like like you're Mark, you're sick. We're gonna take care of you, but in the scuffle, we we find out Mark Spector gets the upper hand on the the other Moon Knight, and he says, "I know this is Seth's work. I know what you've been doing," and he pulls off the mask in like a Scooby Doo moment, and um, and everything sort of goes white, and we realize it's actually Conchu. Mm. So Conchu was the one giving him these hallucinations and blaming Seth because he needed an avatar to fully take over Mark's body. And if Mark right. succumbs to Khonshu, Khonshu will live again through Mark Spector. Yeah. And Mark will cease to be, and Khonshu will be the Moon Knight. Got it. So at this point... Because, yeah, I'm looking I'm looking at a, at, a, at a cover art for Moon Knight Volume 3, Number 1, and it does have that looming sarcophagus sort of look of yeah. that, and then Moon Knight in the front, sort of in front of him. But the 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 picture of the Egyptian is very imposing behind him. So yeah, yeah. So uh, that's sort of how it wraps up. Mark Spector either negates himself from the help of Khonshu and just becomes his own like sort of vigilante, mm -hmm. or if he succumbs to it and they become one thing oh. or make a sort of thing. I didn't get that far. I think I think it'd be cool if they were if they were one because then you could have this inner you could almost have like a in, internal conflict of of that sort of you can't exist without me and vice yeah, versa. Yeah, yeah, like they need each other because of this crazy pact that they entered into sort of. So I kind of like that because then you you don't have as many characters to deal with, either. right? <laughs> you know, you yeah. know, like okay, this guy we know that he's doing the bidding of Kanchu and. And stuff like that. I mean, I think it's a really, really interesting thought because they Marvel hasn't really delved into that. Everything they kind of do, I would, I would, I hesitate to use on the level, but like they haven't really gotten into the whole, I don't know, supernatural with like they the, don't like Egyptian with religion. Yeah, that, that, thank you. Even That's like what uh, I'm, yes. even the the. Uh, Odin and Thor are technically like aliens of a sort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're on. They're their from universe. a different planet, and they yeah. yeah, but they're not. They're not like god. They're they're not thought of as like gods and stuff like that. They're very not in the, the way. Yeah, agnostic. They're yeah. very agnostic uh, comics. But this would definitely take it in another a, a, a different, completely different direction that they've that they've been in, which is great. I love that because I think sometimes they could sort of fall into this very much okay we need to build this story and then this and they all have to kind of look pretty similar and have a similar feel but i think that especially with your directors actually it was funny you were telling me about it and i think you can actually have both of them direct because when right? you were telling me about 
the opening sequence, you know, the fight and, and the, the, the action sequence, the Indiana Jones type of thing, that seems like a Quaron. And then the scenes inside the asylum are like, that's very much Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting that, yeah, to have that. Well, that's that. what you saw. I was bouncing. Yeah, I can see that. And then I was thinking as a uh, an after credits teaser, like we hear like some doors and stuff closing and shutting. And then all of a sudden his eyes open up in the white room again. But this time he's the millionaire, Stephen Bubba Blood. Mm-hmm. And he, like, gets up and he's, like, he's sort of, like, looking around. He sees that, like, Chicago's back to normal. And then uh, he turns around and it's padded walls. Mm. And then, so, like, you don't know, like, it's... Almost like his personas have now gone crazy. His Almost personas, like his personas are, now, like, are now, like, so... in the institution now. So, and also another thing I wanted to deal with with the climax was, because I wanted to play through because it did in the comic books... These are all him. He is Conchu. He is Jack Lockley. Whomever, he yeah. is Stephen. Jake Lockley, Lockley. Stephen Grant. Yes. 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 He okay. is all of these people, and they will all play roles in, in Moon Knight going forward. But, like, I want that sort of – what it's probably a, a way better way to do it than that. But, like, that after credits moment of, like, seeing all white and be like, is he in the, the mental asylum again? Oh, no. He's just in a lavish – rich yeah place. yeah because you'll see wait that he's the did he just turn around like and see blah, blah, blah. yeah and then maybe like you see like there's his he's got a taxi cab hat or coat or something on the rack or yeah. something. like you don't know but like there's You're something kind of, of unsure like, but yeah. we should get the impression he doesn't know either by the end of the movie because i think that's you're putting a lot on of acting on john krasinski i think he can handle it i think he can do i it. think he can handle it he is talented but that's yeah i mean that because i mean you're having him play such specific it's not just like oh he's now uh, he's they're they're so very such very different personas it's not yeah. like they don't have a through way where like oh he's a soldier in all of them but he's a soldier in iraq or he's a you know it's like it's yeah. very much like um james mcavoy and split where it's like mm-hmm. now he's an old woman and now he's a young boy and now you know so he has you could just sort of have him dance around and do all sorts of different things. Yeah. And that um, unease of like not knowing who he is throughout the entirety of it is something that I think John Krasinski would do really well. Just like his, his face in a, especially I just saw it, the quiet, uh, quiet place, like his reactions to things like that sort of like s- serious, like defeated look in some scenes is like, that's perfect for like when she's showing him notebooks from when he was a little kid and it's like, why do we have these? If if your Moon Knight, like, there's a Moon Knight, it's not you. And mm-hmm. I, like that moment, or is it? <laughs> and like that whole like, there's something that like gives me chills about that idea of like the first time he comes from this fantasy and he's in a mental asylum, like, and you're just like that whole that first time the, the psychiatrist says it's not you, like this mm-hmm. is your hallucination. You've been here since you were a little boy. That's so cool. To yeah, me. I agree. And like finding better ways to execute it than whatever I came up with today <laughs> would be great. But I love that idea. Well, let's let's get uh, Charlie Kaufman and can we get Quar- Charlie on the Quar- line? on the phone and uh, Dan, we'll, you're in luck. We have we'll pitch it to him. Long time we'll, listener, Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> we'll, we'll we will send this file to them and they will write our stories. Um, who did your music? Um, the, the funny enough. I was thinking Jerry Goldsmith okay, yeah. because of his work with like the mummy, but, uh, Classic, yeah. uh, he also did like famous ones. He, he has the tension of alien. Like he did alien, which mm-hmm. like has a lot of like th- that sort of auroral s- s- uh, sense to it, I guess. Yeah. I, um, I can see because the, the part it, it, it is a very, yeah, it's, it, it, it builds the tension, but it's also in a very enclosed space. Like the whole movie is just, it, it the, there is a sense of, uncomfortableness and a sense of claustrophobia and i think the music does a lot to like creep into you a little bit and make it and 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 give and give you those feelings as well and i want it to feel suffocating until the world like those shots where he's on the roof and he sees a pyramid behind the 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 empire state building yeah no that's really cool yeah that's a really cool visual like and then then having it feel like a breath like you could breathe for the first time in this thing but then what are you seeing? That's the thing, you know? But, you, you, yeah, yeah, exactly. But can't. then, like, now you know he's mad. or Like, he's got to be crazy. There's no way this pyramid's next to the Empire State Building. Or is it? But then but then the beautiful twist of Frenchie sees it, too. Mm-hmm. Gina sees it, too. And I was yeah. like, that's, that's yeah. cool. Because now they're either in on it 
or we don't know where the story's going from here. So jumping back quickly to yeah. Booster Gold, my music uh, is done by Michael Giacchino, who, Ooh. funny enough, uh, has done music for The Incredibles, and he did, you know, he did some of the music in Rogue One and everything. So he's worked with big directors. He's written some really beautiful scores. He's written a lot for television too. I think that the soundtrack for Lost is is one of the best parts about that show. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't think that some of the stuff that he does, it, it, it doesn't take itself too seriously because that's kind of key for the character. I think he can be playful and, and I think the music can really uh, can counteract that as well. So there's some, and there obviously are dramatic moments as well, which he can uh, pull off and give the scene some depth and everything. So I really like Michael Giacchino. I think he's really underrated. So I really, really like it. So Dan, we made a movie. We made a movie. We made, we made two. two movies. Can you believe it? And there's just something like there's something so fascinating about you know like you you want to deal with inclusion nowadays too, mm-hmm. and um, I feel like if you can touch on uh, a mental illness in a in a, a tasteful way, that would be like a good way to shred, shed some light on a situation that could be dealt with like. Oh, he's crazy. Throw it away as a joke or, you know, make him just nuts. And, but like, I feel like if you did it tastefully and very like researched and true to very subtle things that people do. Yeah. And if, if you, if you ground it in, if you ground it in a reality, it's not just like, I see purple ice cream. It's like, like you're not crazy. Like people do have these subtle things, but they don't know if they're slipping in and out of these Mm -hmm. things. And that's why like, I said, like, he'll turn his head and he'll think he'll see a hieroglyphic or, like, well, visually, like, we'll see it, but then it's gone sort of thing, like, as he's turning his head. And I just realized I turned my head during yeah, what I was talking <laughs> away from the mic. But, like, if everyone has to be, like, relatable when you're dealing with superheroes. Like, even Superman is an immigrant with from, like, a small town into a big city yeah. story. Like, Superman can be relatable. Mm-hmm. Anybody can. Yeah. So, Dan, uh, you're on the internet, right? I've heard of it. Yeah. Where can people find you on the internet? Why aren't you, like, on Instagram? Can people check out your Instagram? You can follow Instagram me posts? on yeah. uh, It's Morphin Time 17. Yep. I'm spell it out for a second. Spell it out, baby. I can't spell, spell it. Spell out the that. whole thing. A-T-E-T. I-T-S-M-O-R-P-H-I-N-T-I-M-E-1-7. It's Morphin Time 17. It's Morphin Time. We'll have to bring you on when we build a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Oh, I'd be so good at that. You would be honored to be on that show. I already know you would. I would be. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Build a Film. You can get in touch with our uh, network on Twitter at mcepodnet. That's mcepodnet. And uh, we hope you enjoy the new Avengers movie. And we hope your favorite characters don't die. Dan, this was fun. This was a good time. Yay, we thank should do it again you. sometime. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. Bye.